Good evening to everyone. Tonight we delve into a passage that might first, at first glance seem distant to many of you. Some may think it pertains only to those who haven't experienced the transformative power of salvation. Others might believe it's meant for those who, though once fervently committed to the faith, have drifted away. But let me assure you, this message is not exclusive. It reaches into the very heart of each one of us, touching the depth of our faith and challenging us to examine the foundations on which we stand. So let's read again Hebrews 2, uh, verses 1 to 4. I'm reading from the ESV. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to His will. Now we will consider tonight these verses under two broad headings. First, the command, verses 1 to 2, and secondly, the warning, verses 3 and 4. Now in the Reformed theology, Hebrews 2 verses 1 to 4 is often interpreted in the context of the perseverance of the saints, which is one of the five points of Calvinism, of course. And we emphasize the fact that those whom God has truly saved will persevere in their faith to the end. So let's examine Hebrews 2 verses 1 to 4 and how it might apply to saved Christians and others. And please note, and others. Let us look at our first point, the command, verses 1 to 2. The main objective of this passage is to urge all readers to attentively heed God's word and follow it. Within this paragraph, we encounter the initial of five warning passages in the letter, found in verses 1 to 4 that we've just read, also in chapter 3, verses 12 to 13, chapter 6, verse 4 to 8, and chapter 10, verses 26 to 31, and the fifth one in chapter 12, verse 59, verses 25 to 29. And these verses escalate in, intense, in intensity as one progresses through the book, transitioning from drifting away from God's word to outright defiance of it, as seen in Hebrews 12 then. In verse 1, the author shifts focus to the practical implications of the preceding chapter, where he established the superiority of Christ over the angels. The angels through whom the law was given. We see that in Deuteronomy 33 verse 2. 
And the gospel consequently surpasses the law in excellence. And the author of Hebrews strongly urges his readers to be more attentive to what they have heard, stating in verse 1, pay more careful attention. And on the flip side, he issues a warning against drifting away, likening it to a boat without its anchor, and swiftly drifting toward a waterfall, emphasizing the disastrous consequences of such drifting. This reminds me of uh, this morning's message as well. And we see in verse 2 that based on Christ's superiority to the angels and his divine messianic nature, readers are called to pay careful attention to the message they have heard. The threat is great for those who neglect the great salvation the Lord has revealed. Because in Old Testament times, listen carefully, disregard of or disobedience of God's revelation or the law was severely punished. And therefore, disobedience to the Christian message of salvation would not go unpunished. Hebrews 2 verse 1 reflects the major difficulty with the readers. They were drifting away from Christ, back to the shadows of the old covenantal system or the law. Think of Deuteronomy 28 verses 15 to 18. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading uh, kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. The warning here in Hebrews 2 is written to believers. For the writer includes himself when he writes we. The danger that the author wants to point out here is that of neglecting our salvation. Neglecting our salvation. It is important to note that the author did not write rejecting, but neglecting. Not rejecting, but neglecting. He's not encouraging sinners to become Christians. Rather, he's encouraging Christians to pay attention to the great salvation they have received from the Lord. More spiritual problems are caused by neglect than perhaps by any other failure on our part. We neglect God's word. We neglect prayer. We neglect worship or fellowship with God's people. Hebrews 10 verse 25. And other opportunities for spiritual growth. And as a result, we start to drift away from Christ. Slowly but surely. The anchor does not move. The anchor does not move. We start to drift. We start to drift. And that is why the apostle warns in Hebrews 10 verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The danger is that 
If they would not pay much closer attention to what they've heard, they might drift away. We see in Hebrews 5, verses 11 to 12, that the author's readers were marked by immaturity and spiritual laziness. We read in verses 11 and 12 then, of whom we have much to say and how to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. And if they don't repent of this, there was danger of them slipping away from what they had heard. Our second main point, the warning, verses 3 and 4. The message Hebrews has in mind is the gospel of salvation, which was first announced by the Lord himself and was confirmed by those who heard him, namely the apostles. The readers were not part of that first generation of Christians, but they certainly received the gospel from the apostles who had received it from Jesus. That is why we read in verse 4, While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to His will. Beloved, the gospel is of greater significance than the message spoken by angels to Israel at Mount Sinai. It is a message delivered by the Son of God Himself concerning eternal salvation and how it is to be obtained. If every violation and disobedience received its just punishment under the terms of that earlier revelation, how can there be any escape for those who ignore or neglect the terms of God's ultimate revelation? Once we have received God's word and turn our backs on it, we cannot plead ignorance. We cannot plead ignorance. If angels rebelled and were punished, then we must respond seriously to what God is saying in Christ Jesus. However, what the nature might be of this disobedience referred in, uh, to in our passage, the writer did not spell out. But it would be unwarranted to think he was talking about hell. The we which pervades the passage shows that, as I've already mentioned, the author included himself among those who needed to pay close attention to these truths. Note that verse 3 does not say, how shall sinners escape if they reject? But how shall we believers escape if we neglect? Spiritual deterioration begins when Christians start to neglect this great salvation. From the admonitions in chapter 10, verses 19 to 25, it seems that these Jewish believers were guilty of neglecting prayer and united fellowship with God's people. And we sometimes have the idea that believers today under grace or saved Christians can escape the chastening hand of God that was so evident under law. But we read in Luke 12, verse 40, 48, 
To whom much is given, much shall be required. Can I repeat that? To whom much is given, much shall be required. And not only have we received the word from the Son of God, but the word has been confirmed by apostolic miracles. We see that in verse 4 of chapter 2. The phrase signs and wonders is found 11 times in the New Testament. And here it refers to the miracles that witnessed to the word and gave confirmation that the word is true. These miracles were performed by the apostles. We see that in Mark 16 and Acts 2. And today we have the completed word of God. So there is no need for these apostolic miracles anymore. God now bears witness through His Spirit using the Word. Romans 8 verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And also 1 John 5 verse 1 to 13. The Spirit also gives spiritual gifts to God's people so that they may minister in the church. The word disobedience literally means unwillingness to hear. Saints who will not hear and heed the word of God are disobedient and will not escape the chastening hand of God. After all, God confirmed his word through signs, miracles, and powers. This word is not, this word is not to be treated lightly. In fact, the word neglect is translated made light of. Matthew 22, verse 5, But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business. But together with this is the fact that those who have heard the gospel message but turned their backs on it and on Christ will experience judgment far greater than any punishment experienced by Israel in the Old Testament times. The writer says about this in Hebrews 10 verse 26, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. That is a scary thought. Now in the beginning I've referred to two kinds of listeners to this message tonight. In short, saved and unsaved. Saved and unsaved people. What are the consequences? What are the consequences for both these groups? First, the believers. In this passage, the author of Hebrews warns, belie warns believers to pay close attention to what they have heard, lest they drift away from it. Again, the Reformed view suggests that even though true Christians are eternally secure in their salvation. They are still called to persevere in their faith. This warning is seen as an exhortation to continue in faithfulness and not become complacent. The passage highlights the seriousness of neglecting such a great salvation. Reformed theology teaches that salvation is a precious gift from God. And Christians are called to cherish it and not take it for granted. Neglecting salvation can be seen as a warning against falling into unbelief or apathy, which would be inconsistent 
with the perseverance of saints. And that means that you might not be saved. The passage furthermore emphasizes that the evidence of true salvation includes the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Sanctification and the life characterized by good works. So while salvation itself is by grace through faith alone, the ongoing evidence of salvation is important. And this passage can be seen as a reminder of that. Verse 1, Therefore we ought to give the more diligent heed to the things which we have heard. Beloved, we must embrace them in our hearts and affections. Retain them in our memories. And finally, regulate our words and actions according to them. The second group of listeners to this message tonight are the unbelievers. Those people who think or pretend that they are saved and or those who know that they are not saved. This is for you, my friend. The judgment facing those who turn their backs on Christ Jesus must be and will be greater than any punishment experienced by Israel in the Old Testament times. The writer says more about this in Hebrews 10, verses 26 to 31. And listen carefully. For if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, and tonight you have received the truth and the knowledge of the truth, for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. In summary then, Hebrews 2 verses 1 to 4 serves as a reminder to saved Christians that they should not become complacent in their faith, but should persevere in it. It emphasizes the seriousness of neglecting the great salvation that has been granted to believers and underscores the importance of the evidence of salvation in the life of a Christian. While salvation is secure for the elect, Believers are still called to live faithfully and obediently as a response to God's grace. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we want to thank you for the gift of your word that guides and sustains us. We recognize the temptations and distractions that surround us, pulling us away from the truth you have revealed. And therefore, O oh Lord, we earnestly seek your help and strength to anchor ourselves in your word. Guard our hearts and our minds 
against the currents of doubt, complacency, and worldly distractions that may lead us astray. May your spirit illuminate the path of truth before us and grant us the wisdom and discernment to navigate through the challenges. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.